Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from what I watch tonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I am doing very well, my friend. Uh, never, ever ask me to be an official timekeeper for anything. The clocks went back over here in the UK, and I'm swanning about uh, what would now turns out to be the normal time that we record. And John's like... We do it. I'm ready. Banging the drum, telling me to hurry up, and I'm thinking, "What's this guy's problem?" Turns out JB <laughs> was right all along, and I was I was wrong. So, other than that, my yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. Uh, I had a busy busy day. I went up to London to a, a Disney um, Christmas market. It was closed off for invites only, and it was just showcasing all of the upcoming uh, figures and products, uh, including like homeware and things like that. Uh, for the holiday season from Disney, I got to meet uh, Donald Duck, my main man, and his main squeeze, Daisy. He got really jealous because they told me, uh, they said, um, word to the wise, if, if Daisy extends her hand, do not kiss it because Donald gets a bit jealous. So I thought, uh, well, that sounds like, sounds like a challenge to me. So um, forgetting that COVID was a thing, I, I did just that. I, I, I gave her a peck on the hand and Donald started pushing me around. He wasn't very happy. Um, so <laughs> that was one of the highlights of my day, but... Uh, that was an awful lot of fun, though, JB. The temperature's dropping over here in the UK. Um, hopefully, we can have some films to uh, provide a little bit of heat soon. But other than that, my friend, not too much, not too bad. How about yourself? Um, I had a, a fun morning. Um, two of my students work at um, a store here uh, in the States called Spirit Halloween, which has a movie out now, Spirit Halloween, the yes, movie with Christopher Lambert. Um, and... Uh, their last day, because it's a seasonal, it only is open like just after Halloween. That was yesterday, and so uh, as a, I guess as a thank you, because it's not my birthday and it's a little early for Christmas. Although it could be a Christmas present, uh, they both bought me uh, coffee mugs. I got a really cool Universal Monsters coffee mug and a uh, another um, easily my favorite mug so far because I've had several. Is a, a you know Grogu mug um, that has him oh, like a wanted poster. So I was excited <laughs> to have two brand new coffee mugs. I know you um, will. Then, they do. And then I, uh, on my way here, um, I've long since drank it, uh, but Dunkin' Donuts has their new seasonal oh, yes. um, cold brew, yes. which is a cookie butter cold brew. Um, it's it's pretty tasty. I got to say, I, I, I'm sure it was way too many calories because there's like cookie, cookie crumbles butter. in it. Uh, yeah, very, very tasty. Uh, so <laughs> probably won't get too many of those, but today was it was uh, warranted to give it a go. Um, I love the cold brews and their seasonal ones have been great. Um, so cookie butter sounds amazing though. Oh, it's, it's very tasty. Uh, I, I, but I'm sure again, there's like actual cookie pieces in it, which were great because it, I, I want to say it's gingerbread, but it might not have been gingerbread, but it's, um, it's something in that vein of like a Christmas cookie, like, uh, that yeah. kind of, and man, it was pretty good. I gotta say, I was very happy with it. Um, and, um, you know, I'm uh, going away this weekend with Big Tuna. We're going to the Miami uh, International Film Festival Gems yeah. event. Um, so I get to see She Said tomorrow, The Whale, um, White Noise, and uh, Women Talking this weekend. That I'm very excited for all of those. Um, Looking and then, forward to seeing Women Talking. Me so much, dude. Uh, I'm expecting to cry a lot this weekend. So I'm actually, after we record <laughs> tonight, I'm going to go see Till, um, yep. which I'm expecting to shatter me. And then uh, I was pleasantly surprised. My local theater, which doesn't get a lot of the uh, the, the indie like Oscar bids, we, we got Tar this coming week. Um, so I'm hoping oh, at nice. some point uh, we're gonna I'm gonna get to go see Tar at my local theater. I'm also planning 
um, I have a critic screening of Black Panther on Monday. Um, so I'm, I'm, I had already taken the day off Monday because I'm not getting home till super late Sunday. Uh, so I'm hoping to go early to the theater, um, to see either Banshees of Isharan, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing and, um, or, uh, Triangle of Sadness, um, at, at that Orlando theater. And then I get to see, uh, another, a couple of other movies in the next couple of weeks for critic screenings. I'm getting, uh, for your consideration screeners. I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of movies I'm going to be watching, but it also excites because there's a lot of stuff I've been wanting to see that hasn't come or that I couldn't get what to see in the theater. to have, hey? It is, it is, uh, except, you know, I do have other obligations that I got to do too, yeah. so that gets to where the, the balance falls. Don't but, worry about um, that, JP. It's all about the BAMP, it's all about book reviews and what I watch. That's all that matters, man. We don't have to worry about work and family. Oh, I guess maybe we do. <laughs> If we're lucky, Matt, um, these movies though that I'll be watching and that you'll be watching a lot of too um, over the next two months because we're approaching the end of the year. We've got some big releases coming out. Black Panther being our uh, two weeks from now we're going to be talking about. Um, but uh, we, we have to I'm hoping today's episode might be the last negative episode, but we'll find out. Um, folks, we're here today to discuss the movie of the week. Pray for the devil. Um, this is directed by Daniel Stam, written by Robert Zapia, uh, maybe Zapia. I think Zapia sounds more fun. Um, it stars Jacqueline Byers, Deborah Shavea, Shavea, Shavea. Um, I'm um, going to go for Zetreva. Oh, you really throw it like a T sound with the Z, huh? Yeah. Um, Colin Sa- uh, Salmon, I'm going to assume the L silent there. Virginia Madsen, I know how to say that one. Ben Cross, uh, Christian Navarro. Lisa Palfrey, uh, Nicholas Ralph, Valazar Benave, Benay, maybe the V silent, um, and Posey Taylor. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer for this, like Matt and I have, which is like a bajillion times because it's been in the theater trailer run, I think since June. Like I feel like yeah. I've been watching this trailer for months. Um, yeah, but a nun prepared. A nun prepares to perform an exorcism and comes face to face with a demonic force with mysterious ties to her past. Mysterious is overselling that. It's there's no mystery in this movie no whatsoever. Um, Twenty percent Rotten Tomato critic score, sixty eight audience score. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe being too kind. Thirty two percent meta score, five point two IMDb user score. That seems more in line. Two point two on Letterbox. Um, it's only currently in theaters. Um, I'm sure someone's going to exercise that pretty soon, though. So the, the deal is, uh, one, all of the scares are in the trailer. And again, if you've been watching this trailer for months, you've seen them all so many times uh, mm-hmm. ad nauseum. Um, the The movie has what they want to be twist, but they spell it out so blatantly uh, that anything that is a twist is only if you're not paying attention to what's happening in the story. Like the movie telegraphs everything a little too hard. And there's, there's opportunity here to like discuss like the hierarchy of power. Like why could only men do exorcisms and it's there, but it's really not developed in any way that feels significant or that there's commentary being made. I guess the fact that she has like platinum blonde hair is supposed to be like a girl power. Like, you know, it, it stands out against the the nuns. Like it doesn't look like a traditional nun hair color. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any of the performances are particularly bad. Um, I, I wish Colin Salmon was in this more. Uh, he he's in the trailer. I think it more than he's in the actual movie. Um, at least that's how it felt when I was watching this. Uh, there was there was nothing particularly 
good, but I also I don't feel like there was anything like glaringly bad. Like when we watched the invitation, I had oh, really big issues with the writing and the like the character development. I felt like everything here is just like so paint by numbers. It's so bland. It's so you know exactly what you expect from a movie mm-hmm. like this, and and not in a good way. Um, and there 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 are some cheesy parts for sure. Uh, but overall, I was just like, I was just ready for it to be done. Um, I wasn't hooked in any way that was significant. And again, I do think the marketing, I don't feel like the marketing was off. I just feel like it was too much. Uh, I don't know if the film had got delayed, but it just feels like we've been looking at this trailer for so, so long that by the time I got here, it was really going to have to be something special to win me back. And it, it wasn't, um, I haven't seen a lot of exorcism movies. Like there was the exorcism of Emily Rose. I never saw the, um, yep. I think the haunting in like Connecticut was an exorcism movie. And mm-hmm. like I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of those. Um, so I'm not super like familiar with the genre outside of the big, like the exorcist, which is if you're holding that movie to all other exorcism films, sorry, all other exorcism films, you're, you're just going to pale in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if this is a subgenre of the horror uh, genre that I like outside of a couple of them. Like it, it's there's only so many things you can do with this. Like I don't mind a good exorcism scene. Like I think Constantine has a really cool exorcism scene in it. But I think as a as a whole movie where that's like the whole framing is a person that's possessed and we have to get it out of them. There's only a couple of things you can do with that, right? You either yeah. get it out of them. Or you don't get it out of them, and then it's it's your story, and everything else is kind of not there. And if you can't develop characters in a way that are compelling or uh, feel new or nuanced compared to the other movies in the genre, then it's just redundant scares and exactly what you expect every single time. And so it's, it's yeah, it's meh at, at best. I, I did not love this film. Uh, I do not recommend this film, but I'm curious, Matt, who is uh, the, you know, my go-to person for all things exorcist uh what did you think of this movie pray for the devil um well you mentioned all those other exorcism films the exorcism of emily emily rose is pretty good because it's a crime sorry it's a, it's a courtroom drama first yeah, procedural right and, yeah yeah exactly and that's so it is it, pretty good it has a new spin the guy who directed this daniel stam also directed the last exorcism which again had a very cool concept and actually was, I think that was actually a pretty damn good exorcism film. It was about a guy who pretends to be, he's a fraud basically. He pretends to be a man of the cloth going in to exorcise people or, or people who think they're possessed. And through literal smoke and mirrors, he, he manages to exorcise the demons and gets paid a lot of money for it. And he records it for like a, I don't know if it's like a blog or a TV show or something, but, and then of course, when, something actually happens he's stuck in a bad place but um so i think it's that now that's very decent and the guy who wrote this directed this also directed that um but like you said jb this film is just meh and it is it may even be a little bit worse than meh but i will give it some credit to say that to start with in the initial um i don't know i think the film's 90 minutes long it's not long it really does thunder along at times i think maybe for the first 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes I thought, hmm, this has got the bones here of what could be pretty solid film, actually. I quite liked the angle that they were going for. Um, this idea of, again, faith v. science. I like it when films really dive into that aspect. 
this film doesn't dive into that at all. It mentions it and then throws it out. I love the idea of this process of exorcism from a female angle. The the prologue of the film, the text says there's never been a, fe- uh, a female exorcist or nuns. Their job is for, is to care for people, not to uh not to join in and become on exorcist an exorcist so i thought the idea of this process from a female angle was was a great idea it's a great conceit let, let, let's run with that but we don't it gets glossed over and thrown out and there's mm-hmm. also it's also very heavy-handed um i said this to you off here with, with its need for validation though it, it is it is almost as if stam and the rest of the crew are saying you know look at us promoting this female empowerment except they're not because of how the film goes it's it's a really odd film in the fact that it has some really decent ideas but it rushes so quickly to get through them and also to try and set up some twists and some revelations and also throw in what has now become the cliche exorcism moments which you can probably imagine what they are without me spoiling them on the show here but um it's, it just felt like a humble jumble of ideas never really seemed to stick on on any and by the time I got to the third act, it got so overblown that any kind of it almost lost touch with its own self. It didn't feel like the same film that I watched, you know, an hour ago when it was half decent. But um, I'm with you. I don't think the I don't think the performances are bad. I think Jacqueline Byers as Anne, our lead, is committed. I think she's solid. I think she's a committed mm-hmm. actress. I don't know too much about her, but I think yeah, she's good. Same. Yeah, Virginia Madsen's always a win. Uh, Colin Salmon, he's um, a British actor. Um, he's had he had a, a presence in this film, which, like you, I think it was sorely lacking. I think we needed a bit more of Colin Sam- Salmon's Father Quinn. But that side of me, there wasn't really like you say there's nothing glaringly bad about this film other than it is a film which has been done to death it's a genre subgenre which is dead struggling horribly to stay afloat or even relevant because there are no new ideas or when there are new ideas like you get in uh pray for the devil they just do not run with it it just turn it, it, it blends back into into the convention into the norm and uh to also agree with you everything's in the trailer i put out i said last week i put out a tweet about six three four about four months ago five months ago saying just seen the trailers for smile and pray for the devil and i feel like i've seen you know everything about those films now which wasn't a good sign smile though was was good we liked that pray for the devil wasn't as good as smile was and like you said it's it's all there if you've seen the trailers you've seen the major moments even kind of like the major moments in the third act are spoiled in the trailer, which I which really winds me up how marketing team, because it's not the director who deals with that, it's the marketing and the studios who are putting this out. Have faith in your audience. Don't missell them you at the film, but have faith in them to not have to show the third act uh and major things that happen to our lead because that's that's cheap. And then when it comes to uh-huh. the film, it's any any kind of i think we both agreed off here like there was no time for a twist because they made it so obvious or it already been spoiled you know yeah. it's what's the, what's the point of it it just ruins the film for those going in so i wanted to like this film john i really did want to like this film um i think i would probably skew more to that imdb user score you know five out of ten that's the maximum i would give this film because it wasn't negative yeah. it wasn't a bad film necessarily it wasn't like the invitation it certainly wasn't a great film but I'm, i would struggle to call it an average film as well it had a yeah. very good potential uh, had lots of potential but th- they just lost their way um 
as it went on, JB. So um, conventional cliche and typical was what I can see. I'll say to, um, you know, like we see a lot of movies and that definitely, uh, I always advocate, like I want people to watch more stuff and, and expand your taste and expand, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what you consider to be good and bad. And I always go to the food analogy. Like if you've only ever had a McDonald's hamburger, that will probably be the best hamburger you've ever had because it's the only one you have as a basis of comparison. We have tried hamburgers from all the different restaurants at this point, oh, and yeah. we have a a better idea of what we think makes an excellent hamburger versus a bad one. But I'm reminded sometimes that not everyone has that opportunity or not everyone's committed to that expansion of taste for something like this. And, and a you student, still enjoy uh, a McDonald's burger, right. even if you enjoy the most gourmet of them all. It's always nice sometimes for to go sure. back to your tried and trusted, isn't it? But I had a student walk by, uh, a, a technically a former student. He's he's like not in my class right now, but he's still at the school. Mm-hmm. And um, he was like, "Hey, I, I saw Pray for the Devil. I hadn't he he hadn't been to the theater pretty much since COVID, basically. Oh, um, for whatever reason, this was the movie that brought him back out. And he's like, and it's amazing. That's fair he, enough, right? And so I, you know, I, I know I know him. He hasn't seen as, nearly as many movies, obviously for a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm double his age. But um, also, it, movies aren't his thing, right? That's not where he's investing most of his time uh, anyways. And then, you know, maybe he hasn't seen a lot of horror movies. Maybe he hasn't seen any of the other exorcism movies. Like, there's a hundred variables. But for someone, this movie is that movie that might make him, like, oh, movies can do this. I'm going to look yeah. at other movies. And it could be the gateway. So we, we mean no uh, a, a insult to the people who make these films when we don't like one. But again, we've seen a lot. And if it doesn't grab us uh for whatever reason we're gonna be honest with you and so no offense to anyone who worked on this this movie uh but it definitely felt like it was just missing something to really bring us in yeah and like i mentioned two or three times in my quick summation quickish that i think this film had a very good foundation like the ideas were there it's just the execution of them and I don't know. Hey, look, I, I don't. I don't always mean to throw the studio under the bus, but maybe it was studio intervention. Maybe they said we need a bit more of this, we need a bit more of that, or maybe the screenwriter did, did just decide let's go down what is more of an atypical route, which is what it did. So, my kind of final thought is that if you've seen many more modern exorcism films in the last ten, twelve years, then there's nothing here that will surprise you, and there's nothing here that is, you know too dramatic there's there is one or two scenes which i thought were very well handled actually there's one uh which involves a uh an apparent pregnant lady which in the film which i thought actually for parts of that were pretty well done actually but yeah like you say it's missing something jb and it it was nearly there indeed well I think that's all we have to say in the non-spoiler section of Pray for the Devil. We will probably have a spoiler. We didn't talk about this before. We usually do spoiler episodes. It probably will be pretty short, though. There's not a lot. We can talk about the twist, quote-unquote, in the spoiler episode. So check that out as a bonus uh, dropping on Monday. In the meantime, let's look at the next section of our show, which is Chuffed Headlines. Uh, These are movie or pop culture headlines that caught our attention. And I think your headline, Matt, is a very well-deserved one for us to discuss. Uh, yes, it is. It was originally going to be the Avatar, the Way of Water final or main trailer has dropped, but uh, and I think we spoke about that the other week, and we're both fairly looking forward to that film. I know you've recently rewatched Avatar, and your your hype's gone up a bit. I need to rewatch Avatar, yeah. and 
hopefully mine will too but uh, mine comes from variety written by rebecca rubin and the headline is how terrifier 2 an obscure micro budget horror film became this year's unlikeliest box office success now um i saw this film the other week and i gave my thoughts on it last week if you didn't hear what i thought i thought it was surprisingly not bad as a film it's far way too long but it's you know compared to the first one it's a masterpiece but i actually didn't dislike terrify 2 i thought it was pretty good great lead performance and art the clown is is just an awful awful whatever he whatever he pertains to be human being or whatever but um so the 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 article goes on to say you know have you ever have you heard of the movie that's so disturbingly stomach churning and gruesome it's causing people to vomit fate and get carried out of the movie theaters it almost seems like a tagline to to attach to a lot of horror films now but terrify 2 is making people feel very very queasy um as they go and see it and it's a film which has been uh, it was backed by Bloody Disgusting, which is a horror movie outlet, like it's a website and has podcasts, uh, as well as Cinedime and Iconic Releasing. And I believe it was crowdfunded for about two and a half, two hundred fifty thousand dollars And it's it's not even rated by the MPA because nope. of its backing and because of its uh, micro budget. So trying to get it in theatres in the first place, it was was tough enough but it grossed eight hundred twenty five thousand dollars from 886 cinemas on its opening weekend which for again comparatively for the budget if you want to start dividing that that is a fantastic return Uh, and and it's coming up to it's coming up it's made out now over over eight million dollars and it's there's it's kind of going to think they're going to end around 10 million dollars and it's had to switch it to it's had it's been given a wider release still not the widest in the world but it's been given a, w- a wider release and remember it's two and a half hours long as well yep but it's uh but it's just it's just uh, it shows that if you can get word of mouth which is what this article is, also, is really saying if you can get word of mouth especially if you're a low budget horror film you know you look at something like you know, the Blair Witch Project is the first one that comes to mind or there are many others but you get the word of mouth you get the buzz out there uh there and you get this the um the, the PR spin behind it saying you know this film will make you sick it's gonna make people are passing out blah blah it goes to show that if you if you hit the right place at the right time and lightning strikes you could have an absolute mega hit on your hands now Terrifier 2 in in a year where horror has been by far the best genre for me, by far. Yeah. Um, Terrifier 2 isn't the best horror film of the year. It's, an, it's a nope. welcome surprise, again, considering the first film was very much just, it, it was just a, sh- a film to shock you, basically. It was like, there's, there's no plot whatsoever, and there's a bit more in this film. But for a film to go on and make, for so little money, JB, to go on and make so much money and be, and it will, I think by the end of the year, it will be the biggest success of the year. I believe box office wise compared to its budget. If you want to start uh, breaking it down, um, especially when the marketing for this was almost non-existent as well. It, it is just word of mouth and horror uh-huh. files have been pushing this. Top Gun has made a lot of money. Black Panther 2, the, uh, Avatar are going to make a lot of money, but they've also got huge budgets, huge marketing uh, budgets, huge PR teams behind them. For something like Terrify 2, JB, to make $10 million in this climate is a huge success, especially, mate, given that it's a two-and-a-half-hour vomit fest. Uh, you've, I know you've seen the film, and I know you're going to mention yeah. it, but 
um, just in terms of the story, then for a film to be crowdfunded without a real studio or rating to hit this much money, is you know cinemas on the way back, isn't it? I mean, it's exactly what I think um, we had in the early '90s, right? We had the the Sundance indie darling stories. Right. We had uh, Desperado. Um, Reservoir Dogs and Clerks, right? They all come out of nowhere. They get a huge sale at, at um, Sundance and we have the indie boom and we haven't really had something like that. Um, every festival in the world has been that's movies are just constantly, they're hoping for that same story. And while those stories are bought, um, a lot of times they flop, right? We've seen uh, big studios drop big, big, big money on these movies looking for that next movie only to get nothing. And this is now, I think, the evolution of that, right? We've heard about movies getting crowdfunded, but most of them don't have uh, a big box office to match yeah. with the, that support. And the fact that this is like one of those horror movies, um, it, it's it's the underdog story. It's the story that I think everybody really tends to embrace. And that's what drove me to the theater to see this, um, was I was wanting to support that process. Not even this movie necessarily, but the process. Mm-hmm. Like, take risks i want in a world where most of us walk around with essentially a portable film studio in our pockets um if you have the drive to make a movie if you have an idea make it because you don't know what could happen because these guys like they obviously they had success with um all hollows eve which was the anthology film that the filmmaker made then terrifier had a, a, a i remember seeing a lot of buzz about terrifier i think it was on netflix for a while um so I, I followed people that were involved with this movie. Uh, and so I saw Terrifier 2 was coming out. I never even got to Terrifier, so I wasn't really sweating it. And then I started seeing all these little, you know, oh, it's getting a theatrical release. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then it was close. It was like 45 minutes away from me. Uh, you and Big Tuna both like, nah, it's not really worth driving out to see that. And then my local theater got it when it expanded the last weekend. And I was so shocked. Yeah. Um, and I walked into the theater. So I, I saw uh, a movie before this. I, I did a triple feature on Sunday to try to uh, get caught up with some releases. I saw a movie before this, walked into the theater for this a little later than I normally would. Like usually I'm like 10 minutes early. I'm walking in like when the trailers are starting and there's a bunch of people in this theater. Like the movie I went to first, I was the only person in the theater. Went to this one. There's not only a bunch of people, but I am very sure that the back row was like middle school kids, like 12 years old, 13 years old. And like like six or seven of them, and I'm like, uh. And then nice. it was pointed out to me there's no rating on this movie, so like the theater probably had no clue what they were letting kids into. Jesus, um, they would have. And they definitely uh, did because I had a student who is a little older went and saw this last night, and they were allowed in. Um, they like they bought their tickets on the app, so they went in. Um, the, a friend of theirs didn't, they were told the friend that didn't have it on the app was told that you had to be 21, which is not a thing in wow. any movie theater for any reason. There in is the no world. 21 rating in the, the U S and I don't think anywhere else either, except maybe some extreme countries, but I don't think this movie would have been played in any of the countries that would be that extreme with the, the movie <laughs> laws. Um, but in the States, the highest rating we would have would be X, which is 18. Um, and so telling him it's gotta be 21. I'm like, where did you pull that out of your butt movie theater? But then they let them in. Then they kicked them out for like 20 minutes. And then they let them back in. Like they hadn't left the, like the, the theater person actually like walked out and like, Hey, you can come back in. So I don't know what they were going through at our theater last night, but 
um, the students that saw it were really, really happy uh, with the movie. Like they thought it was a great horror film. They're not the type of my concern, of course, with any young person watching a movie like this is misunderstanding who you're supposed to be rooting for and why you're rooting for them. Um, in the genre uh, I mentioned, right. like, Halloween ends. I said it. They were kind of made out like we, oh, Halloween kill the Halloween franchise. They misunderstood Michael Myers and you know you don't glorify the bad guy and not every every horror franchise is by the end has made the villains the the, the, yeah. the reason you and go to watch it yeah art is almost the only reason to really watch this i do like our lead in this film we're not reviewing terrifier 2 but i do like the lead actress uh she's relatively new she's in a couple other things but this is like her big lead role i think mm-hmm. she's really good it's good um but I mean, you can't deny Art is a really compelling movie villain. But I still think he's a villain. Like I don't, I'm not watching his scenes going, yeah, all right. You're, um, you're not turning him back to the light. Yeah, but but he is a very compelling screen presence. Um, and just the whole idea, like him, like pantomiming him not speaking, is just a really wild uh, visual. Like him Simple. having. Simple dark fun right it's like you're not rooting for him but you're also like he's entertaining to watch right here but um i i'm excited uh to see movies like this get the opportunity to to do this our we only had it uh running two times which uh, you mentioned it's a two and a half hour movie we had it going at 320 and then 955 so 955 there's gonna be 20 minutes of trailers so that means the movie's starting at 10.15, and it's two and a half hours long. So, so classic midnight horror showings, man. Yeah, yeah, and you know there's not going to be a lot of people here in our local theater at that time anyways during the week. But this coming week, I was expecting it to be gone because I that was how, like, a lot of the actors and stuff on Instagram, they were like, all right, that's our run in the theater, We're you know, but we're on Screenbox. But my theater, they've doubled the times. So there's going to be four screen showings the rest of this coming week. Man. So I'm like, oh, okay, so they're not gone. Um and the word of mouth, all of the students who have seen it, they're all talking about it because it's wild. It's, it's not, a, you know, it's not a good horror movie in the sense, like, I think the story goes nowhere. There is more story than what I've heard about the first two movies, but the story doesn't really add up to anything. It's just like, there are story beats. They exist. There's no real reason for any of them. A lot of the stuff that happens in the movie isn't explained or like why they like, Hey, this thing is over here. But it it's okay. not even a red herring. It's just it's just a fact. It's just like this thing happens. Like okay, end, and you're like oh, and nothing. I just wanted to let you know. It's like oh, well, that's that's unnecessary in your very long movie. Like you can trim a lot of this off because it doesn't do anything. Um, but uh, the performances are really good and it's entertaining at times. I do think it's overlong, but yes, I'm happy to see it being successful, man. Because again, people are going to the theaters, and that's cool. You know, people are talking about this, and that's cool. That's the main thing, JP. And um, the last point I've got on here is in the, the article compares it to, to Tar, which is really odd by saying Terrify was playing once or twice a day because of its runtime. Uh, and it landed number eight spot at the weekend, which is mental. Uh, whereas Tar, which is also two and a half hours long, was playing at least four times a day and came in at 11th place. So, and, that, and the point being is that second one is going to be an award season contender. And the just for fun and i do think this is brilliant that bloody disgusting they even said this is purely for a laugh they have submitted mm-hmm. terrifier 2 for oscar consideration just so the people who uh, vote for the oscars have to sit down and watch art the clown do all the things he has to do they've even said we I have mean, no chance of any of this happening but we'd what have to is stronger yeah, Everyone yeah. who knows the Oscar thing knows that most of yeah. the oscar guys vote blindly anyways they just follow what their friends are voting for so 
whatever what their friends vote for whatever the last thing they saw was but the idea yeah. of some cross the old man was thinking oh terrified too what's this all about and then just <laughs> vomiting in his chair but uh yeah very good like you say t- studio uh, movie theaters take a risk sometimes because it can i pay- gotta say though sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but but no, I, as as much i've watched a lot of horror in the last two years specifically i would say uh, i've done the 31 day challenge both years um i've dove into a lot of genre i don't know if i'm just desensitized but i didn't think it was that gross like i think it's very gory don't get me wrong but i didn't think it was like gross like i've seen raw made me gag like raw made me yeah. gag a couple of times um i mean i i think raw is a masterpiece raw is great i think what you've just said is the thing i think the, the 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 pr and the spin is aimed more at people who are casual horror fans who will go and see maybe like the conjuring and things like that and that will be their yeah. horror film so this is obviously a a different beast but yeah like yourself i've seen most of my films are horror from the weirdest of the european horror or j horror to the most mainstream but this isn't the goriest yeah. film i've seen but it is it um, is it's, it's a nasty film what there was like a, i think it was a korean zombie film this year um Un, oh, I can't think. Of, it was on Shutter, and there's like it's it's very gory. Like that, some it's not even that oh. it's gory. Some of the the allusions to what happens off camera were much more nauseating than anything that happened in Terrifier Two. To I me, I don't think it was called. I can't think of what it's called either, and I feel bad because it was it, it got a lot of buzz all of a sudden. Yeah. It was like everyone was talking about it because it was really messed up. Um, because it was more like uh twenty eight days zombies too. Like they were angry, like yeah, anger monsters. Rum. I think it's also because Terrifier 2 is on the big screen and you're getting to see this kind of visceral stuff. Yeah. It's not like, it's not something you see all the time. But it, like, like I said, I don't think it, it, it is gory, but it's more cruel. It's very gory. It's a nasty film yes. more than anything. Yes. It's a cult, mean spirited. Art, art, art revels in the nastiness. And that is yes, one of my concerns, of course, with people liking this, uh, is that maybe you're liking it for the wrong reasons. Like, but I do think uh, practical effect wise too, I think it's very well done. I think uh, even, yes. you know, some of it looks fake, but it's like, it's like throwback old school, like do it yourself horror. And I love that. Yeah. I like seeing people, uh, you know, there's something about no matter how fake a kill might look, the fact that you can tell it's real is something great. Cause yeah. a lot of times, man, you watch a, a movie with CG blood and the blood just looks stupid. Like it's you like, it's them. clearly CG. It looks awful. Look at those naughty horror and they were ru- ruined by CGI. But, uh, yeah, Art the Clown and Terrifier 2 success was my headline for the week, JB. Um, what's yours? Does it follow a similar path? No, it doesn't. Um, but uh, the food writer, Julia, Julie Powell, uh, author of Julia, Julie and Julia, and obviously the movie is based on uh, the book. Um, Amy Adams plays Julie Powell in that film. Uh, Meryl Streep plays Julia Childs in the film in flashbacks. Um, I... Anytime someone this close in age to me dies from what I think was cardiac arrest, if I remember uh, correctly from the article, uh, she's only 49. Um, it, it always bugs me anyways, but uh, this particular one hit different because um, when I started Burke Reviews back in 2016, uh, I, I did it with the premise of like, I was following Doug Benson from Douglas Movies had did the year before in 2015. He did a movie a day challenge. His goal was to watch a movie a day for the whole year, but that was it. I took inspiration from Julia and uh, from Julie and Julia and was like, I'm going to do the same thing Doug did, except it's a leap year in 2016. And I'm going to write a review for everyone on a blog like Julie did with following the recipe. So she was literally like kind of my inspiration for starting Burke reviews the way I did it. 
um not for obviously film criticism but my thought and, and was i hoping that maybe it would make me famous and like people would be like oh it turns out film critics watch way more than 300 movies a year i didn't realize <laughs> the number of films that film critics actually commit to um so 366 was a lot for someone who had never done it before but it, for a professional critic not so much so i didn't write a book i didn't turn it into a book but she did like kind of spark the idea to do that um and that's why my initial, like, my first four or five months of reviews were more of, like, a, like a blog diary of what my experience was, like, why I picked the movie, what my, you know, the purpose of this, mm-hmm. and that it was more of, like, the story behind it. Then I kind of steered into film criticism as I felt like I was understanding it more and more. But her dying, uh, it, it really shocked me the other day, um, again, because she's only nine years older than me, and... I, I, you know, if listeners, I've been uh, on a health journey for a couple of years. I'm still, I'm still far from my goal. Um, COVID definitely slowed me down. And then this, oddly, I maintained pretty well for two years and I have gained some weight back and that's got me, you know, in my head and I'm worried. And then her dying, it was just another, like, you got to stay on top because I don't want to die at 49. Like, I don't want to die young. I want, I want to live as long as I can. Um, So it it hit hard. I don't know, uh, Matt, if you were a fan of that film. I was, I really liked julie and julia um and i love the story of julie powell i think it's it's you know um and she's a she's a writer and i there's like a kinship there but uh what's what's thoughts feelings etc no it's obviously sad news whenever somebody uh passes away or somebody who is obviously for us connected to uh film or cinema and yeah i've seen julie and julia amy adams is very good in that um i think meryl street was nominated for an oscar for that film i think um i know she's nominated for most um most films she's in or she's certainly nominated for portraying julia child who is the inspiration for julie powell in this in her in her life's goal to uh cook all of those dishes in that one year so um yeah of course it's very sad news and um hearing your story obviously of how you started burke reviews with the 365 and 365 challenge um you know a film a day basically it's uh i can see the parallels with um, Julie Powell's story. So no, of course it, it's always sad news to hear something like this and maybe it will have more people going to see uh, Nora Ephron's film, Julie and Julia. Maybe more people will go and check it out uh, and find out more about the, uh, the person behind it all, uh, Julie Powell. So no, it's very sad news JB, but again, as we always say, the, the legacy will always live on. Yep. And that, that, you know, a lot of times our headlines have more, um, like specific weight to what we're, what our podcast is about, but that one did resonate for me. So I thought I would at least pay tribute. It's sad when someone passes away so young, um, you will be missed. Let's go to our next section. This is media consumption. This is movies or TV or video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we use to pass the time between episodes. It's how we, uh, we like to, you know, use our time wisely. If you want to say that it's definitely the reason I want to live for a long time. Cause there's just so many movies and I don't have time to see them all. So I need more time, but Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? Uh, mine is a shorter uh, offering and I'll again, uh, get into why in the next segment, but uh, I've watched a few things, listened to a few things. Uh, I've gone back and listened to the nightmare on film street uh, episodes, recent um, symphony, interview and a few others i've uh listened to a podcast called development hell which i was turned on to as well 
um, like John has been sending me um, the Brett Goldstein podcast. I've been listening to that, but also there's one called Development Hell, where it basically it's about horror films, uh, uh, horror film ideas or scripts and screenplays that languished in development hell uh, and were never made. And of course, some of them can be very interesting. Some of them can be awful. And this one was the, the I think it's Halloween. I don't know what version it was. Maybe the one before H two O, the Revenge of Laurie Strode. And it sounds frankly awful. I don't really remember what happens in it, but it's just interesting to hear about the process of what goes into a screenplay, hearing the kind of like what if side of it, only then to think, man, you know, Halloween H2O was better than what we got. And I think H2O is an underrated Halloween film. I think it is good. I still to this day hold dear that the title makes no sense. No sense because H2O is water. The film isn't water. It's H20. Halloween 20 years later, it's H20. Everyone calls it H2O, including me. And I want to start a campaign now to stop people calling it Halloween H2O. Uh, but, but even the, the poster, I don't know, the poster is H20, actually. We will just call it H2O. So, um, Development Hell. In terms of films, I watched, uh, rewatched a film called The Guardian uh, in my um, horror, in, for, for my horror kind of Halloween weekend. I also watched, to be fair, actually, I watched quite a lot of horror. Uh, over the weekend, but um, the last one I watched was a film called The Guardian. It was William Friedkin's return to the horror genre in 1990 after um, 17 years away after The Exorcist. And the film itself isn't particularly very good, uh, but I just wanted to go back and re rewatch that one. It's um, about a, a couple who go out for the night and they get a babysitter in, and turns out the babysitter is not all she's scratched up to be. And this, yeah, it's not the best film in the world. And then a year or two later, the hand that rocks the cradle came out and showed, showed, kind of led the way on this premise. But you know, it's fine. It's got a good performance by Jenny Seagrove in it. And I also watched the Banshees of Inner Sharing, the Martin McDonough, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson film. Uh, I'm so looking forward to you to watch for, for you to watch this film, JB. I know you yeah, said you're going to hope to catch it. God damn, this is a good film. It's such a good film. Um, this is this tale of masculinity and friendship and what happens when it all goes wrong. And it is, it's McDonough, man. If you, if you like, it's not right just to say, if you like his films, you like this because each film has a different, each film feels different, but there's his signature across all of them. This is a damn good film, a damn good film. I don't know where it lands on my top 15 of the year. Uh, I do think it's going to make the top 10, I think it's an extremely good film, The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Uh, and I can't wait for you to see it, JP. And I can't wait for Tuna to watch it and say he hates it because everything I like, he seems to hate. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to you guys checking it out and your opinion on it. But I think The Banshees of Inner Sharon, which is one of the films I highlighted two, three months ago when, when John and myself ran down our most anticipated films of the year. This was yeah. on my list. And um, unlike something like uh, whatever that murder mystery was with... Sir Sharon and the other week, which I didn't really like, this one delivered. So, uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon, thumbs up. Uh, and I watched episode nine of Andor. The show goes from strength to strength. Um, again, as little to do with Star Wars as, as you could imagine. Instead, it's just focusing on everything else around it. And yeah, it's very good. It's the best show on Disney Plus by far. Um, best Star Wars show. And I think it's the best show on Disney Plus. In terms of like the IP shows, anyway, I think it's better than all the Star Wars ones. I think it's better than the Marvel ones. Um, and I think it's better than most of the other ones I've seen on there as well. And it isn't biased. It's just a really, really compelling story. I have to say that because, 
as you all know, I'm a Star Wars guy, but genuinely, I've seen people who don't like Star Wars saying, why aren't more people watching this? Because it's compelling as hell. Um, So yeah, and or episode nine, very good. And the Banshees of Inner Sharing, John, very good. Can't wait for you to watch it. What have you been checking out, my friend? Well, as per usual, I I listened to the Blank Check podcast. They did their Shining episode, and I've actually caught up. uh, I I also listened to the Moonraker commentary, which is a few weeks old, but I haven't been able to watch any of the Bond movies this month because I've been busy with other stuff. Talk about that in a second. Um, But the Shining episode is very, very good. Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, I didn't know, but David from Blank Check is also one of his favorite movies of all time. Totally agree. Um, For films to be buried with, I don't remember for sure which ones I've talked about, but um, the one I most recently that stood out to me like a lot was the Yvette Nicole Brown. Um, she is, I, I most know her from community. Um, but she was also uh, a regular guest on talking dead when I was actively watching walking dead slash talking dead. Mm-hmm. Um, she might be one of the best people on the planet. Like, I don't know oh, if we cool. deserve her. Um, she uh-huh. like Brett, it's such a great interview. Brett actually uh, included all of the Patreon content from her episode. Cause I guess he was just like, everyone deserves to hear this. And I agree completely. Um, she, she is just a, such a sweet person. They have a lot in common movie wise. And I had, I was um, driving to work when I was listening to it and both her and Brett are big advocates for Greece two over Greece. And the only person okay. I know in my life who has ever said that is my wife who loves Greece two, <laughs> loves Greece, but is a huge Greece two fan. So like I was driving and I had to voice the text, um, message my wife and be like, I found two other people who agree with you about Greece too. And she's like, yeah, cause it's the best. I'm like, okay. But um, <laughs> they make a compelling argument for it um, in on the episode, but it's a really, really good episode. Highly recommend. If you haven't listened to the show, if you're a Brett Goldstein fan, or if you're a Ted Lasso fan and you'd like Roy Kent and didn't know his name was Brett Goldstein um, and you're a film nerd, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you have to be a film nerd to some degree. Films to be buried with is such a fun show. Um, not every guest loves movies. I don't know why they agree to do a, a show where he's going to pretend to kill you. And then uh, he doesn't kill you, but he, he tells you <laughs> you're dead and asks you how you're dead. Um, and then he, he gives you a bunch of questions about movies and how they connect to your life. So if you're not like passionate about it, don't do the show, but most of the guests are pretty passionate about films. Um, and Yvette is one of those where she clearly, not only is she an actress, but she clearly loves them. She has a very small cameo in uh, Avengers Endgame because the, the the Russo brothers were involved with community. And so I won't say her story. Cause I think if you listen to the episode, but hearing an actress who's been on a, a TV series that is very well regarded, right? We're getting a community movie. We, we know now um, hearing her talk about seeing herself in Avengers Endgame is one of my favorite stories ever, because it just uh. shows like, no matter how famous you get, you can still appreciate your job and how cool yeah. it is of what you're doing. And I love hearing people who are just happy to, to get to do the things that we love because we get to watch them do it, you know, and it, it, it mm-hmm. it's a cycle and uh, she just genuinely seems awesome. So I, I don't want to over talk that one, but it, it, if you have, if you've been debating on, should I give it a listen? I think that's a really great episode to jump into. Um, it might make you want to go watch. If you've never watched community, it might be the thing that finally goes, Oh, you know what? I should watch community. Cause she's excellent. Um, movie wise. Uh, I watched night of the creeps from uh, the eighties. <laughs> really fun b movie man i love that movie uh you see a lot of like james gunn slither is in that for sure um and obviously like night of the living dead uh, or more return of the living dead like that vibe that kind of tone is in this film um had a blast with it i thought it was a lot of fun uh rewatched hereditary and my god does that movie 
just incredible. Like I, I was worried that maybe I'd overwritten how great it was when, I, um, since I saw it last, and I was like, nope. Nope, I'm right. This movie's a masterpiece. Hereditary oh, it's, is... It's just... Sorry, hell out of me. That Every time. It does. It's so terrifying. And the performances... Like, Tony Collette not being nominated for an Oscar for that is so irritating, especially because it only confirms that Mia Goth, who deserves that for this year, isn't going to get nominated because it's horror. And that's a shame. Um, because She should have won that year, uh, I, yes. honestly, because she is so... There, there are performances, and then there are people who just become so absorbed in the role that i genuinely yeah. believed i was watching somebody losing the will in that film i just do not know how you can look at that and think no i don't think that was that good or good enough for no. uh and consideration there's so much family drama in that film that to not to just look at it as a horror movie is unfair yeah, to what that movie's doing yeah. um but excellent Excellent, excellent movie. I then rewatched Beetlejuice, which I definitely watched in the last 20 years. I, I know I watched it with my daughter at some point when she was younger, but it's been a while. Beetlejuice holds up real well. That movie is so entertaining and so engaging. Um, had an absolute blast rewatching that. Um, super fun. If you haven't seen it in a while, folks, uh, I definitely say check it out. I'm not sure if everything holds up per se, because Beetlejuice is kind of a mass, you know, uh, uh, not a masochist. <laughs> um, What's the uh, misogynist? Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Um, but yeah, but you're not supposed to like Beetlejuice because he's the he's the villain, which is always kind of weird too, especially if you've seen the cartoon. Because the cartoon, he's like, no, he's great. Um, but Matt, here's the movie that really threw me: Di- Diabolique. It's a French film from the fifties. I know this film. Yes, I had not. Uh, I I knew it existed. I'd seen it before. I never knew much about it. I was so enthralled in this film. I was just like instantly in love with this movie. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a masterpiece and I don't think enough people talk about it. I'm sure in film circles, it's probably like, Oh, what are you talking about? It's always talking. But for me and my friend group, not a movie that was ever on our radar and man, it should be like, it's so good. Um, I, I was just absolutely enthralled with it the whole time. Super good movie. I uh, can't recommend that one enough. Um, I got to see uh, Ch- uh, Park Chan Wook's new film, um, decision to leave uh my oh, yeah. review actually just went up uh a little bit ago for it um i think it's excellent i i've only seen old boy and the and the handmaiden but i love both of those movies i i think i would put decision to leave over the handmaiden for my like it's got a, like a neo-noir vibe to it and that's definitely in my wheelhouse um but old boy is like a masterpiece i don't know that you can top old boy no, um but excellent film definitely recommend um Saw Called Jane, uh, which is a movie about the, it's based on a real life group called the Janes, um, who helped women get illegal but safe abortions in the 60s and 70s in the US when abortions were illegal before Roe v. Wade, um, which of course has a lot of relevance right now in our country where a lot of states have banned Mm -hmm. uh, abortion after Roe v. Wade was finally overturned. Um, So Elizabeth Banks is the lead, but Sigourney Weaver's in it, and man, I don't think Sigourney gets enough praise for how great she is. Like, I just think she's awesome in everything. And I didn't realize how many of her movies I'd seen. I've seen a lot of them. Um, obviously Ghostbusters. I've seen how many can't even tell you alien and aliens. I've seen so many times. Those are favorite films. And she's obviously at the center of all of those, but man, in this even, I'm just like, she's so awesome. She's so cool. She's and the fun, the best part is her story is so, it is so odd. I listened to it on the Mark Marone podcast, the WTF podcast, a few months ago, and she mm. came into the acting game late. Um, she always wanted to be an act- actor, but it wasn't until later on in life, and by that it's kind of like late 20s, where most kids had been 
pursuing it in their early teens, if not before. So Sigourney Weaver kind of fell into acting more than anything else. I can't remember the exact story, but the Mark Marone interview is very interesting of how she kind of literally fell into it. And because she was saying she wasn't a, you know, a conventional beauty or whatever, whatever it was she said and all this stuff that she, even she was surprised that she just kept being booked for roles and, Look where she is now. I think Sigourney Weaver yeah. is. I think she's. I think she's excellent. I think she's. I love Sigourney Weaver, man. I like Call Call James. I, t- I definitely say check it out if you get a chance. If it's playing at a theater, you knew. I I uh, put that priority over Till because I was worried it wouldn't stick around, and I was right because it's going to be out of our local theater this weekend. It's already gone. It only got a week at our theater. So uh, if Call Jane's still playing near you, I say check it out because it deserves it. It's, it's a it's a compelling film. Um, okay. Terrifier two. I saw as I mentioned. Um, and then I, I was going to just count Terrifier 2 as my final movie for the thing I'm about to talk about um, because it, it happens on Halloween. Um, but I had committed to watching 31, the, the zombie yeah. film. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and throw it on. It was Halloween. The we don't Our daughter is well too old to go trick-or-treating. And we were outside passing out candy because we have a community rule. Like if you want to give candy out, you have to sit outside at, on the driveway so people aren't like knocking on doors and stuff. So we did that for about half an hour, but the mosquitoes in Florida are super bad after the hurricane here. And so after about half an hour, my wife and I were both like, okay, this, we can't, we can't sit out here. So we get, there wasn't a lot of trick-or-treaters. That was the other part. It was like, there wasn't a lot of trick-or-treaters and we were getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. So we went back in and I'm like, I'm going to watch 31. Um, I didn't hate 31. I didn't love it, but you know, it's, it's watchable. Um, I, zombie does some weird like camera stuff. Like there's like, freeze frames that i think i'm like why why are we freeze framing and like why does the can't why is it like freeze frame and then rotating like you know it it's it's flair for the sake of flair i think more mm-hmm. so than yeah. substance um but it's a, it's a very watchable horror film i think i again I, I i didn't love it i definitely i've heard some people say it's awful i didn't think it was awful i thought it was just like okay it's fine it's it's very predictable um and it definitely it to me there's a lot of texas chainsaw in 31 like there's a lot of shots that are like well that's straight out of Texas. like there's anytime a group of people are in a van that are hippies i'm thinking texas chainsaw i guess to be fair but that's what texas chainsaw starts with right like it's just like five people in a van um and that's i i would say that's probably his aesthetic for even uh house of a thousand corpses i haven't seen a few of the other films but um yeah you know 31 not bad um, and I, I did finally watch Moonraker. Okay, uh, here we go. I don't see why everyone's so down on that movie. I, it's the to me, it's the same vibe as the other Roger Moore Bonds, which is like it's <laughs> fun if you get past. If you, I think at this point, my expectation of the those Bond films has hit the like the equilibrium, where I'm like, no, no, this is what they are. They're campy, they're silly. Um, it's very much the inspiration for Goldmember, I think, because uh, if I, I think Goldmember is the one where they have the space base. Yep. Yep. Um, I think the villain in Moonraker is pretty good, although he's very much Dr. Evil again. Like he's got the suit that feels like Dr. Evil. He's not bald, but he's got like a Dr. Evil vibe. Um, Jaws is back. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, it, it might have the worst or maybe one of the most offensive of the Bond girl names. Because she's a doctor. <laughs> Go on, John. I don't want to say her name because it feels it feels like it's not even like a pun. It's just like a phrase that people would use to describe something. So I'm just like, I don't want to be the one to say that out loud. No, but look it up. Uh, it's not even trying to be like, you know, innuendo. It's just like, nope, we're just going to put a phrase. Uh, here you go. Not even going to allude to it. It's just a thing. Um, 
so yeah, and again, she's a she's a rocket scientist, and it's like, mm, why that name, folks? You couldn't come up with anything better. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't get that in the Daniel Craig films, that's for sure. No, and again, I I do think the Craig films are the tone that I like for a spy movie, and that's not necessarily what the Bond films have been, and that's what I'm kind of getting at, at to with, with Moonraker. I'm just like, well, this feels like what they were doing. It's silly. It's campy. It's uh it's barely a spy movie. Like he, he bounces around places and like learns information by flirting with the, the a lot of different women. There's a lot of women in Moonraker. Like he's with uh, several different girls, but I didn't dislike it. It's a little long, but you know, it's, it's wild when it gets up into space. though, cause it does feel like what, like what's happening. Um, but 79, you know, star Wars was a thing. And then all the other movies, I you gotta go to space. but yeah, that's what I've been watching. Um, any other i i feel like that's hit all those pretty well um folks before we wrap up we got to check in with each other make sure that we are keeping our bloody awesome at optimal running levels because if not it becomes an issue we may not be able to keep doing this show we want to make sure we are so matt i need you to tell us how have you been saying bloody awesome been this week my friend i went to mcm comic con the read pop uh convention here in london now one of the biggest in the world now uh we go there as part of the sessions every year uh we get we are usually well we're always accredited there for press for journalists so we can go and swan up to people and put a microphone in their face and talk star wars but it's always a very busy weekend it's you know it's it's very fun but it's very busy just getting up early going to london uh friday was friday was fine you know it's manageable uh it was still busy saturday was the definition of overbooked it was just hell on earth for seven hours it's wonderful amazing time when you're there but on the sunday when it's a little bit quiet you can kind of think yeah they really sold about five thousand too many tickets yesterday because it was rammed but um yeah we had a good time interviewing people we um uh checked out the panels the hasbro panels we got to interview the guys from hasbro again to continue that uh, relationship that connection with them uh i'm sure i'm missing out something on the friday as well but uh that was also very good oh no and the anthony daniels panel c3po panel was on my co-host luke somehow uh-huh. managed to get on stage of anthony daniels at the end and uh, go wow. have a back and forward of him for, for two minutes um and then on sunday we had our first ever convention panel where we had our own we had 50 minutes and a stage and two microphones to talk star Man. wars and We've done our own show before, which was great, but um, I was a little bit worried. I said to Luke and I said to a few people, you know, off the record, they we'd, I could say this now because I said to them since, but I thought, oh man, we had a three o'clock, I think three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. I thought, yes, you know, is anyone going to be there? You know, people are we going to go home. Are we going to have anyone there? Um, but thankfully we did. We had a full house. There's well over a hundred and something people there and there are people waiting out, sort of standing outside of the area we were at to watch and listen in because we were giving hot takes and we were getting people on stage to give their Star Wars hot takes. Uh, and then we get somebody else up to debate that hot take. Two of my, mine were that Ray, Ray, her first film, The Force Awakens, her story in that is far more compelling than Luke Skywalker's was in A New Hope. I think it's a far better, much better story. Um, just in those films and then my other one was the prequel trilogy is pretty pointless if you think about it don't need it then unnecessary three films because everything that happens in those films is mentioned in the original trilogy 
we know what happens. We know, we know, we know the Clone Wars. We know the, the clone, the, we know that, uh, the Jedi Phil. We know about Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker and Luke's dad and, um, and all this other stuff. Every, everything that happens. We know that about the Senates and that Palpatine was who he once was. But we've got three films about it. We didn't need them, but we got them. Uh, unpopular opinion, but I, I, as much as I love the prequels, if, you know, they're like the solo of the, Star Wars trilogies. People want to knock the sequels, but let's start with the prequels. But um, that was a blast. So really good fun to get up there for 50 minutes and just talk. Uh, and I'm so pleased that people actually turned up to see us. So uh, that was a fun weekend. And then obviously, obviously after that it was Halloween. So I went up to see my daughter went trick or treating and Tuesday I went back to work and I literally said, when I came in, I said, right, I've been on my feet and busy for the last five days i'm going to sit in my work chair and this is my time to relax so get lost please <laughs> let me work in silence i've got to rest my feet but no mcm is always a blast john uh, i've said before i want to get to megacon one day and just enjoy it as enjoy it as a fan and just walk around and check it all out uh, megacon in orlando i believe that is um but yeah mcm was how i've been staying bloody awesome good week my friend uh good weekend nice. Hence why I wasn't able to watch many films because my time was booked for about four or five days. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. JB, what is your accomplishment and bloody awesome uh, thing been this week? So I kind of alluded to this, but um, throughout the month of October, I've been talking about this. I was doing the Nightmare on Film Street uh, 31 Days of Horror Challenge. Yeah. Um, so they had 31 categories, one movie a day. Uh, for each, I did watch ahead a few times. Um, I don't think I ever fell behind. I was ahead a few days though. Um, and... So uh, minimum, I was going to watch 31 movies in October to complete the challenge. I actually watched 35 horror films. So I, I went Wait. four over. Uh, and then total, I watched 48 films in October. So that was adding in the non-horror films that I caught for the podcast or like called Jane was one I really wanted to see while it was in theaters. So I made sure to, to fit that in when I could. Um, so bi a busy month, 48 movies in one month is a lot. And uh, yes. not for everybody, but, you know, I'm still working full time doing all my other stuff. Um, and, uh, but completing, I like being able to do those challenges. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you would think after 31 days of horror. And again, I hit, I hit 35 mm -hmm. that I would be like, Oh, I'm done with horror. And I'm actually a little sad because I find horror films to be an interesting challenge. I didn't like every movie I watched this month, but I did find a few new favorites like the um, that I just thought was like masterful. I got to rewatch a couple of favorites like the shining and hereditary, and then um, I, I found some that like I never really thought to put the effort in, like Arachnophobia and Tremors were two yeah. movies that yes. um, I had no idea I would be so f I would have so much fun watching, and I'd kind of just always written them off as not necessary. And now I'm like, man, what was I thinking? Those were so much fun. Um, so I, I'm I'm always a little sad when the horror season ends. Uh, last year I, I ended on like Censor was one of the last ones I watched, and I that love that great. movie. I still feel like not enough people are talking about it, right? Um, but uh. You know, I also know like we're the the season for new horror movies is kind of over because we're now into November, so we're going to start getting more of the the prestige films, and we're going to get more uh, family like holiday type movies, mm -hmm. which there's not many of those coming out this year. But you know, um, I'm a little sad, but also very I feel accomplished that I did something. Um, again, it's not that hard to watch movies, mind you, but to, like have to sort it out, make it work within your schedule, find those. You know, when can you uh, hit these different things? Um, I mostly stayed to my original picks, uh, a few changes here and there, but overall, um, also House on Haunted Hill, the original one, I, I love that. Like, that was a movie I'd never really thought to make an effort to see, and I thought that was excellent. So, I had a lot of fun discoveries this this year, um, 
and you would think after doing this for so long, you would start to only rewatch stuff. And so that made the challenge even more uh, appealing to me. It's like I had to go searching for some of these, like, well, I've already seen these movies before. So now I got to find a new slasher. I watched prom night, which I didn't think was great, but you know, like I had to like, most people slasher film, you're going to go, Oh, I've never seen Halloween or I've never seen Friday the 13th. And it's like, well, I've seen all of those. I needed something else. And I watched all of nightmare on Elm street last year. So, you know, I had to like really look for something that was more prom night's not exactly obscure, but it's not one that, you know, is on the top list for everybody. Um, but it was Jamie Lee Curtis. So I was like, yeah, I, I should check that off the list. And it's fine. Um, there's a wild dance number in that movie, though. But uh, the disco scene, John. I've got yeah, to ask. So, uh, the uh, firstly, thirty-one films of thirty-one days is not as easy as it sounds. I don't think I could do that. Um, not from one of trying, by the way. What was the what was the that what was the film then that came out? Maybe what maybe it's one that you hadn't seen before that was the biggest success for you. Was the one that you thought, yep, yeah, that I'm so 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 glad I managed to. I, you know, I sat down and watched this film. I definitely think it's going to have to be Diabolique. Um, I yeah, so good was so thrown by that film. Um, I guess if there was going to be another one that I didn't expect to love, uh, it's there's two. Um, Day Shift, which is a yes. Netflix movie that I I had no idea how much fun I was going to have with that movie, and I had a blast with that film. Um, but then uh, Deep Red. Um, I I've not a fan of Suspiria, the original from Dario Argento, which I know is a very controversial thing to say. Um, so I really, and I, Giallo is a, a genre that I've been reading on. I want to know more about, cause I know, uh, last night in Soho takes a lot from that genre. So, uh, going into it, I was very worried that I would hate it. And I was really kind of into it. And, um, it kept, I kept thinking about it for days afterwards. So like, that was a big surprise. Cause I kind of went in with a, uh, I don't know if this will work for me attitude and it then did. So it's made me want to watch some more Giallo, which is a good thing. I want to expand on that genre anyway. So I was happy to, to have enjoyed that. Awesome. And tremors as well. Yes. Big time. Tremors. <laughs> um, folks, that's our episode, uh, but we're going to be back next week. And for once it's, it doesn't require you venturing out into a theater. In fact, I believe this is available to watch for free, free yep, for no everybody. Separate. Uh, all you need is Roku, uh, access to Roku streaming service, which if you have a Roku device, that's guaranteed, but I think you can just watch it online. Um, because a movie that I have no business wanting to see this badly is coming to the Roku service, but I love Weird Al Yankovic. I have been a Weird Al fan since I was probably like six or seven years old. My aunt had cassette tapes and we would listen to Weird Al and play cards and I have loved Weird Al forever i've i've loved parody music i one of my first cds that i ever owned because i got a cd player on like my uh i don't know 14th birthday or something and that was when the uh, bad hair day album came out with amish paradise like i legitimately i've seen weird al in concert i uh, my daughter's first concert was weird al yankovic That's so cool. uh, and we we saw that right before we went and see 21 pilots that was supposed to be her her first concert and then weird al announced the tour and i was like uh guess what your first concert is going to be we're going to go see weird al <laughs> had an absolute blast. He put on an incredibly great live show. So when they announced Daniel Radcliffe was going to play Weird Al in a biopic, a fictional biopic, because that's how you do a Weird Al movie. You don't try to tell the real story. You tell a parody story of his life. That's what we're getting. It's called Weird, colon, the Al Yankovic story. It's Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. It's already had really good buzz because it was at TIFF. I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. We're going to be reviewing that next week. Uh, it's 
same same day and date for all countries it seems like it's on Roku. I think we're going to have to watch some commercials, but you know what? I'm still hyped. Uh, maybe we'll review the commercials too. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. we're going to be back next week to talk about that because uh in theaters, nothing new is really coming out Not this really, weekend. No. Um it, it's a very quiet weekend. We could have reviewed something like Tar or uh that, but I'm going to be busy at a at a film festival this weekend. So I'm going to it's it's kind of convenient that I can squeeze this in on a streaming service during the week when I don't have a lot of time to go to the theater. So um, we'll be back next week to talk weird, the Al Yankovic story. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media uh, on Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And we're still on Facebook uh, for now. Search bloody awesome movie podcast. Uh, individually, you can follow me at burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms, inclu- including YouTube now, because YouTube's added handles for some reason. So now I'm at burkreviews on YouTube. Uh, I don't have a lot of content there, but I have the handle. So who knows? Maybe I'll start throwing stuff on YouTube. Matt, where can they find you? Uh, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a minute and rate and review the show. It helps other people find us. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bl